Blog Talk Radio. Swing and a fly ball, deep to left, down the line, could be, going, going, and it is gone for a home run for David Wright. Struck him out swinging. Slider away. Tanaka tonight has struck out 10 and walked one. I mean, that's pretty darn good, huh? I'm the founder and executive editor of Gotham Baseball, and so excited to be back with you. We've got a great show on tap for you today. We're going to talk with Brian Wright. He's the author of the upcoming Mets in Tens, and he's going to join me today to talk about the book that's coming out, I think, in a month or two. And uh, we're also going to talk about the recent Queens Baseball Convention, which we both were at. And we're also going to talk about the 2018 New York Mets and what we can expect from them. Uh, We just finished, I just finished the redesign of GothamBaseball.com, so I'm inviting everyone uh, that uh, is listening to the show that while you listen and while you listen to the uh, the interview, just to go and check out GothamBaseball.com. We've got some great stuff uh, on there since the redesign, and Gary Armida uh, our good buddy uh, wrote a great piece about uh, the Yankees and why they should uh, hold on to Clint Frazier. It's a great piece, and I'm, I'm hoping that later on in the program, uh, our friend Mark Kelly, formerly of uh, ESPN, who does a great job analyzing uh, just about anything that you ask him to analyze, we're hoping that he calls in later in the show to talk about uh, the Yankee offseason and whether or not Gary's right. You know, should the Yankees hold on to uh, Clint Frazier, but in the meantime, uh, we've got our guest, Brian Wright. Again, he's the author of the upcoming Mets in Tens, and he joins the program right now. Brian, uh, good morning, and welcome to Gotham Baseball Live. Good morning, Mark. Uh, it's great to be on. Now, Brian, um, you know, Brian and I have known each other, you know, for a long time. He was a panelist on one of our uh, State of the Mets panels back uh, you know, back a few years ago when we did the State of the Mets at the Queens Baseball Convention. But we ran into each other um, this past weekend, and I didn't even know that Brian had a book. So, Brian, let's talk about uh, Mets and Tens. And, uh, A, I guess the first question is, what made you decide to write this book? Well, it's interesting. I mean, the, the, the genesis of it, for me, I think came during the uh, 2015 postseason but the whole incident with uh, Chase Hutley running into Ruben Tejada. And in my mind, and I'm sure in other people's minds, aside from just the rage toward Chase Hutley, I thought, okay, well, you know, I wonder where Chase Hutley now ranks in the villains, the history of Mets villains. And then I got thinking about Mets villains. And then I got thinking about lists. And I had been doing uh, work for websites. And as you you know, a lot of these websites are all generated or all uh, – uh, uh, driven a lot by clicks and lists. And I thought maybe it'd be interesting to write a book about different lists in Mets history. Ten's a nice round number, um, a nice way to generate debate among a, a great fan base. And certainly as a Mets fan, it's, it's easy to think of lists and, 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 and events and, and players and all that. So uh, it started out as an independent book. Eventually uh, Arcadia and the history press jumped on board about, 
maybe about this time last year. And, and here we are. I'm very fortunate that they decided uh, to, to take it on. And uh, um, I, I really uh, was appreciative of the interest uh, not only for you uh, or by you, but by other people. Uh, and, and hopefully it's a, a success. Uh, you know, it's kind of a, a passion project. So uh, anything that comes from this is gravy. So the, the 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 process was organic. You know, you really kind of thought of this thing, you know, making those top ten lists, and you're in the industry. So you you know, as you said, you you thought it would be a great idea to kind of pull those two things together. Um, for my own you know edification or my own interest, m- m- me in this book, I would much rather read a book. Uh, that's based on those lists that has content, uh, you know, regarding those lists rather than go to these slideshows um, that are so poorly done and, and, the, and the information uh, that goes along with those slideshows is really kind of um, – and I, I, I know that everybody seems to think that there are baseball fans who have short attention spans and there are baseball fans that, you know, maybe do want little snippets – but there's also a good chunk of us that actually want some context to the content, if that makes sense. And uh, I, I think that's where your book comes in. That, that really will, I think, market itself well to folks who actually want a little, as I said, context to their content. Yeah, I think you're right. I think uh, a lot of these things on the Internet um... – I'm not going to name certain sites, but certain sites that have just slideshows. You, you know, you have uh, okay, who are the you know top ten uh, best players in the NFL or something like that, and, and you have a picture and it's like a three word blurb, and there's not much in the way of explanation. Hopefully, what this book what this book is, um, and I'm certain it is, is you know, expl- their explanation, reason why something is ranked ahead of something else. Why is this number one? Uh, Despite getting you know a word limit from my editors, I mean I, I think I went into enough detail. It wasn't just uh, you know n- you know listing things off. It was a uh, uh, an entry, and then you know you had a, you know an explanation of e- of each one. So um, with a book, you have uh, much more of a wider canvas to, to to explain yourself. Now you're 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 not a novice. You know, you've you've published so much stuff. You know, you've done work for Saber. You've done work for SB Nation, the Washington Examiner. So you've been around. I mean, you know, and you and I know each other. Uh, we we've we've talked about working together. We've done some stuff together. You know, for me, when I think about people who should be writing Mets books, you're obviously one of those people that should, because just from conversations with you and I, I know this is not going to be some pom pom waving you know, uh, positive rainbow sunshine type of book. I mean, there is some edginess to it. There is some grit to it. Uh, you take on some some subjects that, you know, there are beat writers in this town that won't take on. So I'm looking forward to the book for that reason, that it's going to be something of substance uh, that, you know, you know, that myself, who's been watching, you know, the Mets, when I introduced, I, I don't know if you remember this, but when I introduced Rich Catino at uh, last weekend's Queens Baseball Convention, I said, you know, Rich has been covering the Mets as long as I've been rooting for them. So when I, when I read a book, uh, I know that someone like yourself is going, the research is not going to 
annoy me, you know. Um, and and I, I, I say that because I can't tell you how many books I've read about the Mets in the last, you know, 10, 15, 20 years uh, that get stuff wrong, like totally wrong. And, and then I check myself and I say, well, is it my memory that's wrong or – you know, is this wrong? You know, I'll go back and I'll do the research. I get the feeling, Brian, that I'm not going to have to do that with your book. Uh, would you? Would you? Would you stand by that and say that uh, you got your facts straight? It, it was, you know, as much as I, you know, I don't go back as far as as, as like you know, people of my dad's generation it goes back to 1962. I mean, I'm okay, 30 years old, about to be 31, so I only go back to you know the early 90s. So sadly, I don't remember 86 like my memories are just based on on videotape or, or books um so a lot of this knowledge is just originally was you know just out of my head and just you know accumulating stuff but in the course of 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 writing the book i mean i can't tell you how much research uh with you know the books that i have just digging into those finding newspaper articles uh, looking through, you know, Baseball Reference or, or a great website, the Ultimate Mets Database, uh, produced things that I just didn't really remember. And also getting help from other people like uh, uh, Greg Prince, who I find, uh, who I believe is the, the Mets uh, historian uh, at large almost. Um, he helped me out so much with just bringing up new, new things like, oh, you know, hey, do you remember this or that? Um, remember this thing that happened. So it's, yeah, so I mean, certainly. Well, that's my point, Brian, that's my point. My point is, is that you didn't allow the fact that you didn't remember 86 to, to be able, I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's a lot of stuff on 1986 in this book. Yes. Oh yeah. So there's, yeah, there's one part. Well, that's my point. My uh, point is, is that you didn't allow the fact that you weren't alive during that section of Mets history, stop you from doing you know, this kind of a book. I mean, I, I get that a lot. People say to me, well, I don't remember that. I'm like, well, you know, I don't remember 1965 either. I wasn't, I wasn't born until 1968, you know. So my first recollection of Mets baseball is 1975, maybe, the end of 75, early 76. That's when I remember my dad taking me to games. That's when I remember, you know, Dave Kingman hitting home runs and the Mets wearing those pillbox caps, uh, pillbox uh, caps. Uh, you know, Craig Swan, uh, you know, breaking into the major leagues. I remember uh, vividly Tom Seaver being traded in 77. But, you know, my, my plethora of knowledge came from the fact that my dad, uh, who everybody knows as the Terry Collins doppelganger, had every single Mets yearbook uh, from 1962 and had World Series programs and still does, from 69 and 73. So, like, I would just read them cover to cover because when I was a kid, you know, I mean, God, I was all about the Mets. I still am because I'm a lunatic. But, you know, I, I loved, I soaked up, you know, all that history. And, you know, that's the thing. So for me, when I'm, when I'm reading a book and you bring up Greg Prince, I mean, Greg Prince is the absolute best. Greg Prince, I, who I might mention is an alumnus of, of Gotham Baseball, a guy who was a part of our operation in the beginning and, a, and a, still a friend and still a person that we talk to on the air sometimes. But, you know, that's the thing, and that's what I'm, that's what I'm looking forward to uh, about your book, Brian, is that you're bringing all this stuff, these top tens, uh, you know, you're basically bringing it to the fore for a whole new generation of Met fans that may not know about, 
you know, uh, the game uh, in 86 where uh, Davey Johnson was moving Jesse Orozco and Roger McDowell in and out from the outfield. So things like that, I think that uh, that's why I'm looking so forward to this book. Yeah, and as you, as you talked about before, it's, it's a love story, I call it. But, you know, with everything you love, you don't always love it. So, you know, there's a lot of uh, uh, hate, hate, I don't want to say hate, but there's a lot of anger in it. You know, things that, that annoy me or things that would annoy a, a Mets fan. You know, uh, there's one section just about anguish, and it's just about the, the villains or the, the terrible trades or the busts and uh, the worst losses, and there are plenty of those. Well, I think I, the, I, I'm looking forward to that because – you know, so many people, uh, especially recently, you know, on Twitter, people talk about, oh, this was the worst loss or this was the worst moment, uh, you know, in Mets history. And, you know, I say to myself, like, you know, everything is solely, you know, most recent. And I get that. I understand that. But uh, I can't think of a moment worse than Mike Socha hitting that home run in 88 it, off it, Dwight Gooden. Yeah, I mean, that it, was like, it, I mean, it, I was it, just watching that. Oh, my God, it, it was it, terrible. Yeah, and my, my, yeah my, my father, he pins that uh, as, 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 a, as a flashpoint in Mets history. And it's interesting you mentioned that. I mean, for me, I, I was one year old in 1988. I remember 1988. The 2006 NLCS Game 7, Yadier Molina in the two-run home run off Aaron Heilman is with an ending with the Carlos Feltman looking at strike three. That's the worst loss of my life. But it's not the worst loss in Mets history. I think that 88 game four NLCS where Gooden gives up the two-run home run to Mike Sosha after walking John Shelby, that, that is the worst because it just perpetuated or it, it, it also ended the kind of uh, – uh, the magic maybe the Mets had of like kind of being invincible, not invincible, but th- the way they were winning these games in postseason, it kind of, that ended that, and it started off some chain reaction of obviously losing that series and just making just terrible personnel decisions that obviously led to a 103-loss season in 1993. So that's why I cited it more than a worse loss than a Game 7 NLCS loss in 2006. What was terrible too is is that it was Mike Sosha of all people, oh, yeah. uh, you know, hitting that home run. You know, if it had been, you know, if it had been another Kirk Gibson situation, you know, you could have dealt with it because it was, you know, it was like, you know, he was this guy just having this ridiculous season, it's MVP season, and he hit, you know, this ridiculous home run. It was Mike Sosha, you know, and when I would run into Mike Sosha at the winter meetings, you know, years ago, I'd say to him like, "What was going through your mind?" When you hit that home run, it was off Dwight Gooden, you know, for God's sake. So, you know, so, so that's, that's, the, that's the great thing, I think, about your book, Brian, is that it's going to create all these conversations are going to start over again, and people are going to talk about it. And I, I wish you the very best of luck with it. I hope that you sell a gajillion copies. And, uh, you know, before I let you go, um, let's talk a little bit about the – uh, the Queens Baseball Convention. It was, I think, your first uh, mm-hmm. promotional appearance for the book. Um, tell me it a little bit about, you know, um, the QBC and how you came about becoming a vendor and being there uh, and talking about the book. Talk a little bit about that uh, situation. Yeah, so I had been to the Queens Baseball, Queens Baseball Convention, as you know. I was, a, as you said, a panelist on one of the State of the Mets uh, panels, I think, back in 2015. Um, and the the book it's kind of you know maybe the timing isn't great because it's out in on April 9th and I don't really have official copies of it but at the same time I wanted to 
generate some kind of interest, make contacts with people such as yourself. Um, and so I had contact with uh, the two people that run uh, the event, Keith Blacknick and Dan Tuig, uh, and I reached out to them. I reached out, maybe maybe nagging is a good way to put it, but kind of <laughs> insisted, hey, I, I need, I would really like to have some kind of spot at the convention. I'm not going to be selling any copies because I don't have any copies with me just because we haven't uh, officially put out anything for pre-order yet. Um, but I think by generating interest, it's going to, it'll start a little bit of something and, and it'll give me some experience in an area I'm not really used to, which is promoting myself. So in that respect, it was very good. And when, when you go to an event with your core audience, which is diehard Mets fans, uh, I think it's necessary to go there and, and with the sold out event, 250 people, uh, you know, Todd Hunley, Brandon Nimmo, Chris Flexen, uh, great conversation. It was a, it, it was a good thing. No, it was a great event, and I, I think that you know a lot of the people I talk to uh, are very excited about the book. I know I am. I certainly will do everything I can to help promote it, my friend. And you know, I, I'm I'm looking forward to the process for you. I'm looking forward to this whole you know journey ahead of you. And you know, I just wish you the very best of luck, Brian. Well, excellent. Well, thanks so much, Mark, for for your help so far. Uh, best of luck with, with the site. I really love the new Gotham baseball site, uh, this podcast, and everything with you. Well, you know, uh, you know I, w- one, more, one more question. You know, this is live, sure. so, you know, I always forget what the hell I'm, I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. Um, uh, and I have no producer. This is what people don't get. You know, like when you work on the radio and you have a producer and the producer is telling you stuff in your ear, you know, mm-hmm. like remember to ask him one more question or, you know, you have another guest coming on. I'm doing this all myself. So I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of um, <laughs> working without, you know, it's like, you know, you're driving without your hands on the wheel. But I did want to ask you about um, this 2018 offseason. Obviously, there was, a lot of, there was a lot of positive energy that was happening at the QBC. But, you know, as I talked about during my State of the Mets, you know, there is a little bit of anger. You know, there is a little bit of, you know, well, there's not a little bit of anger. There's a lot of anger. People, you know, especially after the Brewers have now acquired Kristen Yelich and signed Lorenzo Cain, uh, there is some speculation that they might be in the market for you, Darvish. The fact that a team in Milwaukee is making these kinds of splashes, and so far the Mets have, you know, signed Anthony Swarzak and, you know, Jay Bruce and Jose Reyes uh, leads a lot of Mets fans to be, you know, wondering why, you know, the Mets, after a terrible season last year, uh, have not really done much to change the perception or the expectations of what this team is going to be in 2018. Yeah, I, it's hard to fathom that the Milwaukee Brewers are now a big market team. It's, it was kind of weird to watch them get – Christian Yelich, which is a great pickup, and then and then like five minutes later they're signing Lorenzo Cain, and you know I I, I the, the the price that he went for I don't think maybe I don't think the Mets would would go for that so um, I'm not terribly disappointed that they didn't go after him um, I, I I would side with the with the fans in the sense that it's kind of frustrating that they haven't made much of a push when you see. And you see that team across, you know, down the road in the Bronx getting Giancarlo Stanton for whatever they got him for. And, you know, your big pickup is, is Jay Bruce, which I still think is a good pickup. 
it, it will <laughs> it will set off a firestorm. So, um, you know, I mean, and signing Jose Reyes back for a one-year deal is, is a safe uh, choice. I mean, I like Jose Reyes. I mean, he's a competent third baseman. Adrian Gonzalez, the decaying carcass of Adrian Gonzalez, signing him, I guess that is to spell Dominic Smith until he can find something. But I... I understand what the fans are going through. Um, will they get one more guy, a Mike Moustakas, a U Darvish? Uh, I'm not going to hold my breath on that. Well, I'm writing a piece. I'm writing a piece right now um, that will be up on. Um, you'll be up on Gotham probably later today. Uh, I may hold off till tomorrow. Um, you know, I have a I have a column that I write, the Mets Gospel according to Mark, uh, and for the Catholics out there, you get it. Um, it came to me actually during church, you know, when when because uh, I always get excited when that day's that Sunday's Gospel is according to Saint Mark. Um, not a lot are because Saint Mark was kind of like a rebel, kind of like me a little bit. So mm-hmm. you know, so I thought you know that would be fun to do the Mets Gospel according to Mark. So. Um, the piece I'm working on is I, my, 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 my idea or my sense of what the Mets are doing right now is that in 1996, uh, the Mets fell apart. Dallas Green was the manager. They had Generation K, who had, they had pushed the year before, that pitched very well. Uh, there was a lot of expectations going into 96, and then Dallas Green and Greg Pavlik broke all the pitchers. And... Instead of waiting till the next year, like these Mets did, um, they fired Dallas Green after he publicly said that you know Pulsifer and, and, and Wilson and Isringhausen didn't belong in the major leagues. And then Joe, Joe McIlvain, uh, I guess a couple of days later, fired him and brought up Bobby Valentine and, and the pitching coach Bob Apodaca. I think, you know, especially based on history, because that's how I like to write my columns, I kind of think that that's what the Mets are trying to do here is they're basically trying to take the same team and, and change the pitching philosophy, change the manager, change the pitching coach, and hopefully with that little tweak or major tweak, to them it's a major tweak. To me it's a, you know, it's a minor tweak. Um, but the sense that now that those guys are going to change the way things are done and have a 20-game turnaround the way Bobby did in 1997 and went from a, a, a team that you know, could barely win 70 games to a team that won 88 games. So that's mm-hmm. my thinking, that that's kind of where they're going or what their thought process is. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I think their philosophy, Sandy Alderson's philosophy, is that this is just me guessing, is, is that, hey, the whole team was broken last year. How, how can it break again? Uh, and, you know, you got pitchers that led the team to, the, to two straight uh, postseason appearances, uh, a relatively decent lineup, in my opinion. If Cessitas can walk straight, uh, you have a, a middle-of-the-order guy, and you got Jay Bruce. Um, and, and Conforto, when he comes back in May, I mean, that's a, a solid middle, middle of the lineup. So, yeah, and with a, a a new manager, a former pitching coach, and Mickey Calloway, who has a different philosophy, almost like there doesn't need to be a designated closer, or he's going to probably do something different with the relief staff. That might be their way. Or that might be what they're thinking: is that okay? Now with this this new philosophy, and you know, cross your fingers, no significant injuries. 
that there that will generate a an upswing and I don't think they're going to be able to catch the Nationals. They could be in second place. I mean, they'll be better than the Marlins. Everyone will. Uh, I think that's, that's their mindset at this point. Well, look, certainly I, you know, appreciate all the time that you uh, gave us today. Uh, I'm wishing that you're right. Hopefully that this, this team can kind of get itself out of this midwinter funk and that we could start getting excited about opening day. Um, and I'm certainly looking forward to uh, the book release. And you've got to let us know, and you've got to come back on with us uh, when the book's out so we can talk about it a little bit more so I could actually read it and get excited. We could talk about it a little bit more, and uh, you can let us know when your next appearances are going to be. Okay, buddy? Sounds great, Mark. I'd love to be uh, back on again, and, and for anyone, if they're – interested in following the book, uh, there's a page uh, on Facebook, Mets and Tens, uh, 10 in numeral, uh, and uh, I'm on Twitter at BrianWright86. Hey, no worries, man. I, you know, we will certainly do everything we can to promote it. We will let people know when the book comes out, and uh, we will, you know, across our social media platforms, we'll do everything we can to help you out, Brian. You're a good guy, and um, I wish you the best. Wonderful, Mark. Same to you. And that is Brian Wright. Again, his book is uh, Mets in Tens. It's coming out later on in April. I believe April 9th, I, said, I think he said, was the release date. And we will certainly keep you up to date on GothamBaseball.com, across our social media platforms, at Gotham Baseball on Instagram, at Gotham Baseball uh, on Twitter, and, of course, Gotham Baseball uh, on Facebook as well. Now, I'm hoping that Mark Kelly can call in. We're going to hold out for another couple of minutes um, to talk about you know, the Yankee offseason, which Brian touched on a little bit, uh, you know, uh, of course, with uh, you know, the Giancarlo Stanton and, and the comparison of what the Yankees have done this offseason. I don't like to compare the two because I think the Yankees are the Yankees. And I, I, as a Mets fan, I'm not concerned about what the Yankees do. I've covered the Yankees for many years. Um, you know, much to my, my dad's chagrin, uh, when the Yankees are in the World Series, I root for them, of course, unless they're playing the New York Mets. And, you know, the Yankees have always been very good to Gotham baseball. And so, you know, I like to, you know, I want the teams that I cover to do well. It makes it easier to cover them. Um, and we can concentrate on, you know, our our coverage and make sure our content is the best that it can be, and then we don't, we don't get stuck in the whole comparison. Uh, you know, Mets fans hate the Yankees, and the Yankees treat the, Yank- the Mets like they're the junior varsity. We don't get involved with that at Gotham Baseball. We, we cover the teams uh, separately, and we celebrate, you know, the history of these two franchises, and we also celebrate the history of the Brooklyn Dodgers and the New York Giants and all these other teams that have played in New York. So, I mean, that's what Gotham Baseball is all about. Again, if you, if you go to GothamBaseball.com, right now there's a great story up, Gary Armida. It's all about uh, keeping Clint Frazier uh, on the team. And Gary does a great job of laying out all the reasons why it makes a, a, a tremendous amount of sense for the Yankees to be patient, to hold on to Clint Frazier, to see if Clint Frazier, you know, is the solution to the aging, you know, outfielders that, you know, that the, that the New York Yankees have. 
And even though they have a, a, you know, they're kind of overloaded right now with outfielders, you know, I, I do think that you may, some, may see some moves made. You know, the Yankees never sit still. The Yankees are trying to win the World Series every year. And if you're a fan of the New York Yankees, you appreciate that. And that's why you pay the higher ticket prices. That's why you, you know, deal with the Bronx and traveling to the Bronx and trying to park in the Bronx and then paying for parking in the Bronx. You do it because you know as you drive to the stadium, as you take the train to the stadium, you know that your team is in it to win it. And, you know, so, I mean, that's, that's kind of the situation that, you know, Gotham baseball is in. We don't, you know, we don't you know, favor one team over the other. We just look at the situation and we cover the teams the way that you, the fans, deserve them to be covered. We ask the tough questions. We try to answer the tough questions. And we, you know, we do our research. We really work hard to try to get you the best information that we can. So check out GothamBaseball.com. There's no subscription fee. We don't have any advertising on our site. It's an open platform for you, the fans of the New York game. I want to thank Brian Wright for joining us. Hopefully Mark Kelly will get to him next week to talk about the Yankees. And have a great weekend, everybody, and welcome back to Gotham Baseball Live. It was great great to talk with you folks today. Have a good one. And this is... Gotham Baseball Live.